Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. God gave me a Ferrari because I am a Ferrari. You're a Ferrari too. When God made you, he had all the options put on. You are fully loaded and totally equipped. So do this with me. Where did we ever come up with the style of preaching we have today? There is some entertaining preaching, but not convicting preaching, and the legacy has been tragic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Sometimes the door just opens itself. This is Wretched Radio on a Witness Wednesday. University of Georgia wandering the campus looking for somebody to witness to, just hoping that a door would open up for me. And indeed it did, and indeed it does. So often we're afraid to share our faith because we think, oh, I'm going to have to work so hard to segue the conversation from the realm of the physical into the realm of the spiritual. What will I use? What question will I ask? Sometimes it's good to be prepared for that. Other times you meet a fellow named Reese and the door is already open. We're going to talk to this fellow who I have not met yet. Is that correct, young man? I have not met you, correct? Uh, I'm Reese. Reese, nice to meet you. Hold on. Let me take my little microphone here. Reese, what are you studying here at UGA? Uh, right now, I'm studying for a religion test. I have right now in like an hour. Really? Yeah. Why are you studying religion? Um, because I'm required by my major. You have to. I have to. Did you want to? Um, I don't mind it. All right, now I'm fascinated. So you're taking religion, mm-hmm. and is it all religions that you're studying? Uh, right now it's uh, Islam, uh, Christianity, and uh, I think Muslim. Uh, it's the same as Islam. A Muslim. Uh, Islam, it, sorry. Um, uh, Buddhism. No. Hinduism. No. Mormonism. <laughs> um, Shintoism. And what is it? Opranity. <laughs> the religion of Oprah Winfrey. Okay. <laughs> Um, no, it was... Um, Do you think all religions are the same? Maybe. All right, if I told you, Islam says you've got to keep five pillars of the faith, mm-hmm. and then maybe, just maybe, when you die, Allah might be pleased, you will potentially go to heaven if you've done those things perfectly, and you will inherit 72 virgins. Mm-hmm. That's basically a summary of Islam in the afterlife. Fair enough? Fair. All right. Christianity says... All the things that you do to try to earn your way to heaven are actually self-righteous. They're sinful because we have a corrupt, sinful nature. Everything we do is sinful and wrong, and God must judge us, and there's no way we can earn our way to heaven. But if we repent and put our trust in his son, Jesus Christ, then it will be a gift given to us based on the works of Jesus and not on our works because all of our works are like filthy rags. It's a little summary of Christianity. Do you think those two religions are the same? Um different in detail but it's basically the same how you're going to somewhere you're going to heaven or okay okay but that would be like me saying okay you're wearing a shirt i'm wearing a shirt therefore we're the same that's true okay so basically one says you got to work there maybe the other one says it's a free gift of god because of jesus christ by grace alone okay then they're different all right do you think they're both valid i'm an atheist so I think they're valid um, ideas, but I don't think that they're... Uh, Do you think they're wrong? Um, yes. Good on you. Well, you do. Yeah. I appreciate that. Okay, so you think they're wrong. All right, so you're an atheist. You believe there's no God, period. I believe there's no God. All right. I'm going to try to convert you to being an agnostic. Okay, and I, and I know what that means. All right. An agnostic means you just don't know for sure. Yeah. All right. 
atheist, basically, A, negates the word theism, which is God. So there's no God. That's your position. Definitively, there's no God. But to maintain that position, you have to have all knowledge of everything that is happening, has happened, what's going on on Mars, what's going on in Nebraska, which really pretty much the same landscape. You have to know everything about everything to definitively state there is no God. Do you have all knowledge of everything? No. Therefore, there's a chance that God could exist. Yes. You just don't know. I just don't know. Congratulations, you're an agnostic. All right, I'm an agnostic. Dude, you backslid right here on this bench. All right, did you grow up in a Christian home? I grew up in a Catholic home um, and actually did call myself an agnostic a couple years back and switched it over to atheism just because I didn't want to believe in any kind of God. How come, dude? Um, I don't know. I... I, I think I'm a logical-minded person, and I like to have proof for what I think. So I guess I'm just saying against what atheist is, and now that I'm just saying that I'm agnostic because I don't have proof that there isn't a God, so I can't say that I'm an atheist. So I'm just contradicting myself. But, you, but that's okay. But you, you wanted to demonstrate that God doesn't exist. Why don't you like the idea of God? I think it gives false hope. I think that when you die, you probably not gonna just gonna be in the ground you're dirt so you want some evidence to prove that god exists yes how much do you need um probably some pretty solid evidence all right if i could give you a ton of evidence do you think you'd be convinced that god exists um a miracle a miracle maybe a miracle um all right i got a miracle for you you're looking through them right now your eyes. Over 100 million light-sensitive cells right behind your eyeball, all working in coordination so that you can see, take in this information and process it in your brain so you know what's going on. That wasn't luck. That's a miracle. You're made by God. Or I was made by evolution. and I mean, just the same way that animals evolved and I understand but consider the symmetry of your eyes yeah I understand but how did it how does a rock or how does somebody who doesn't even understand the refraction of light know that there's light out there somehow to determine that I can comprehend what's in front of me I don't even know what the concept of sight is if I don't see anything okay you don't even see darkness when you're blind you, you don't see anything you just there's nothing so how would this bench know that there's something out there to be seen and then go about the business of evolving eyes. Are you saying a bench can evolve? <laughs> well, ultimately, you evolved supposedly from a rock because you came from something that didn't have life into life. So somehow you jumped from being a rock to being a human being. Okay. So somehow we came up with the idea that there's stuff out there to be seen and I can process it. I don't think that could all happen by luck and chance. I think that it takes so much design, so much complexity. Somebody had to design it and put you together. And so that, I think, is your miracle. But I think there's even more. I think you had a whole universe. This whole thing is so complex and so marvelously made. You have to just look at it and go, you know, there's a microphone maker. I've never met the guy. I've never been to the factory. But there must be a microphone maker because there's a microphone. Mm -hmm. There must be a universe maker because there's a universe. I think the universe screams to you, God exists. How's that for proof? Uh, I think the universe is a very, very good argument. Um, but the Big Bang is also a great argument um, and how everything can come. You guys in Christianity... How did you know I was a Christian? Now, why didn't you think I was a Muslim or a Buddhist? <laughs> Um, 
I just guessed. All right, hold it. I'll tell you what. I'm going to try to right now circumvent your intellect, and I'm going to go to a different part of your brain. Okay. Instead of your intellect, I want to go to your conscience. It's that area in your brain that goes, this is wrong. This is right. This is good. This is bad. And I want to try to poke at it a little bit, okay, and see if we can stir you in your conscience. Now, I was looking at this. This is the books of the New Testament, and it describes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, you said also that you like Judaism. You were studying Judaism as one of your world religions, correct? When the Old Testament, which is the Torah for the Jewish people, the laws of Moses, do you know what those are? I can remember. Ten Commandments. Okay. Do you know the Ten Commandments? I do. All right. Give me a couple. Um, Thou shalt not steal. Stop right there. Have you ever broken that commandment? Yes. You've stolen something. Mm -hmm. All right. If you knew that I stole something... What name would you give to me? What would you label me? A thief. Give me another commandment. Um, thou shall not covet thy neighbor's wife. Stop right there. You ever done that? Um, you ever covet, desired anything that didn't, forget the neighbor's wife, anything that didn't belong to you? Uh, of course. All right. So you're a coveter also? Mm-hmm. Right, give me another commandment. Um, thou shall not idolatrize, isn't it? That's right. Committed, yeah. To, to make a graven image mm-hmm. because God wants your affections to be for him, the one who made you and gave you life. Mm-hmm. Have you committed idolatry? Um, well, growing up as a Catholic, I feel like I have. Uh, but has God always been the primary affection in your life where you've been living for him, honoring him with everything you do? No. Okay. Give me another commandment. Um, thou shall not um, murder. Have you ever done that? No. All right. Let me tell you what Jesus said. He said that if you just call somebody an idiot, a moron, you're just ah, mad at somebody, you're in danger of the judgment mm-hmm. because that makes you a murderer at heart. You don't commit the act, but that anger God sees very similar to murder at the heart. Now, it's not as gross a sin, mm-hmm. clearly, but it's still a violation of God's law and his perfect standard. Have you ever murdered somebody in your heart? Uh, I don't think I could in my heart. Do you drive a car? I do. Ever been mad at somebody down the road? Um, I have. All right. So have you committed murder in your heart? I think that's a stretch. (laughs) All right. Let me try another one. All right. Jesus said, if you look with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Now, you look like a normal guy, so I'm just going to trust that maybe you've violated that commandment, but it's none of my business. Gotta take a little time out. Did you hear how easy that was? You ask somebody something even totally unrelated to the gospel, and it simply presents itself as an opportunity to witness to somebody. Don't let your segue scare you. Often, and I do mean often, I didn't consult George Barna, so I don't know the exact statistic. Not sure he always does either. But the point is, sometimes just talking to somebody will lend itself to a conversation about the gospel. And you just heard a perfect example of that. We are going to return to our conversation with Reese. Be prepared. It's an absolute heartbreaker. Next on Wretched Radio. So you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. 
then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God it's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor. Wretched.org slash pastor for the Masters Academy International. Hey, hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. You know, you're kind of like the Peter of our Wretched store. You're always there, always faithful, and we are so grateful for you. But hey, listen, we need your help to take this show on the road, like literally. Like Paul, we are attempting to travel to the ends of the earth to share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But instead of a boat, we've got radio and TV stations. And instead of scrolls, we have YouTube and Wretched.org. But just like Paul, we need partners in the gospel, folks who stand with us, pray with us, and financially support us. This isn't about money. It's about partnership. We're not asking you to send us to the moon. We're not asking you to buy us limousines. We're asking for your help in bringing the message of our Lord Jesus Christ to millions of lost people all over the world. So, as we say in the Greek, let's do this. Become a gospel partner by visiting wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Books of the Bible. The book of Ruth tells of a Moabite widow who chose to follow the God of Israel and found favor in the eyes of a godly man named Boaz, who claimed her family's land as her kinsman redeemer. Ruth and Boaz are the ancestors of Jesus and a foreshadowing of Jesus' work as our kinsman redeemer. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's a heartache. That was actually a recording of the original demo. This is Wretched Radio. Prepare yourself for a heartache. A young man at the University of Georgia sitting on a bench. I walked up to him hoping to have a religious conversation. Lo and behold, he's actually studying religion. Well, how easy is that segue? You didn't have to segue from anything. You were already there. And that happens a lot in conversations. If you will just listen for your cue, let us continue my engagement with Reese. He was studying religion, 
all of them, I was trying to share with him the unique nature of Christianity. We had walked through the law. We have not gotten to the sweet news of the gospel yet. And then I am going to try to encourage Reese to choose this day. Will you be on an ACDC highway or will you get on the road to life? Prepare yourself. It's a heartache. All right, so we just did a little summary of the commandments. Now, sometimes people think you keep the commandments and then God will accept you when you get to heaven. But here's what we've learned about you and me. We've broken those commandments. So what do you think a just and holy God should do with people who have broken his laws? Um... Well, obviously, we have a forgiving God. Hold on. What should a righteous, holy God do? A judge who's going to judge the whole world in righteousness. What should he do with lawbreakers like you and me? He should punish them. What is the place of punishment according to the Bible? Hell. So, Reese, if you died, God is your judge. The books are open. He knows your thoughts, deeds, everything done in darkness. Your whole life displayed before him. Nothing hidden. He'd find you guilty. What do you think God would do with you? He'd send me straight to hell. That's depressing. It is if you believe in hell. Well, it's it, it doesn't matter if you believe in it. If it's true, whether you believe in it or not, mm-hmm. it's a depressing thought because you'd be going whether you believe in it or not, right? Yeah. All right. Because my belief or lack thereof doesn't change reality. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, in the Old Testament... There was a lot of talk about a Messiah Mm -hmm. to come. Mm -hmm. The New Testament reveals that Messiah as? Uh, Jesus Christ. That's right. If you remember in the Old Testament, there were a lot of lamb sacrifices. Mm -hmm. You had the Passover. You had the Day of Atonement. And they would kill a lamb for the covering of sins. And it was a fuzzy picture of something better to come. It was all pointing towards something else. There was a guy named John the Baptist who walked the earth at the time of Jesus, and he pointed to Jesus and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All those fuzzy pictures in the Old Testament of lamb sacrifices were pointing toward the one, the perfect lamb who was going to die. That's right, Jesus on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. So the Messiah came to save you from the wrath that you will face if you die in your sins. That's the gospel of Christianity, Mm -hmm. that you can't do anything to earn your way to heaven. You've earned hell for yourself, but Jesus, because of his perfect life and his perfect righteousness, taking the wrath of the Father on your behalf, the punishment you deserve, he took for you, even though he knew you were going to look with lust, that you would be a coveter, that you'd be an idolater. He loved you and died for you anyway, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. And now this day, he commands you to repent and put your trust in him. And he says, if you will do that, he will completely forgive your sins and he will inherit you and adopt you as his child. That's the good news of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's true that God himself came to rescue you, to save you so that you could be forgiven, adopted as a child, if that's true, here's my question for you. God dying for you, even though you've sinned against him, can you think of an act that anybody has ever done for you that has demonstrated a greater love than that? Um, no. Maybe, maybe just my, my mother's love. Yeah. But imagine a, a, somebody that you've offended, that you've willfully rebelled against, kind of shaking your fist at and said, don't care, don't care, I'm going to live it my way. 
and I'm going to put my affections toward other things, died for you anyway. Now, why would you reject that kind offer that he is willing to forgive you? Um, there's not many logical reasons why you would. Um, but maybe you uh, don't believe in all of his rules. Um, I know there's a lot of sins that are um, pretty daily and normal life and it's not that I'm rejecting his acceptance but I'm living my life you prefer living by your set of rules rather than God's set of rules uh, yeah okay see if this does anything for you okay Sometimes people's perception of Christianity is that it's about keeping rules, all right? And God is kind of a, you know, authoritarian and he wants you to live like this and he just wants to steal all the fun from our lives. Maybe just to position this a little bit differently. If God was willing to die for you and he is the most amazingly kind, loving being in the universe, wouldn't it really be a joy and a delight to follow him and his rules because we're grateful for him? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously if I believed in him, then I would be grateful. Um, but I don't. Right, here's a, here's a, here's a question that Jesus asked. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but loses his very soul? Your soul, the thing that lives on for forever. Mm -hmm. It's precious, right? It is. All right. So let's say you have whatever it is that you want to do, whatever things that you want to mm -hmm. participate in that you enjoy today. If at the end of your life you stand before God, the books are open, and he looks at you and says you're guilty. You have broken my rules and you knew it. Mm -hmm. There was a guy who sat on a bench with you when you were going to University of Georgia Athens and he pleaded with you mm -hmm. to turn from your sins and put your trust in my son and you rebelled and you wouldn't do it even though your conscience said, I know I've done wrong and I know I've got a problem with my court date. You lived your whole life for yourself anyway. Mm -hmm. Will it have been worth it? Um, I think my love for life and the life that I live is stronger than any regret that I'll ever have. Um, I feel like I have so much passion to live and pursue my own happiness, uh, not out of selfishness, but out of um, life short. Let me, let me try to be specific. Are you saying that you want to just live your life any way that you want to? That's that's your desire, or you just you don't like the idea of God's rules and and just taking all the fun away from you. What exactly are you are you trying to say here? Um, I think I want to live my life. Um, his his rules are one thing, but so let's just pick something: partying. Partying. All right, you don't want to give up partying. No, love partying. Okay, so could I boil it down this way? You love partying more than the God who died for you. <laughs> um, I, yes. So you like partying more than Jesus. But I like happiness more than I like Jesus. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I connect happiness to the things that I do and I live my life every day in the pursuit of happiness and it's that's the one thing that defines my life is happiness and if I'm living a miserable life which I am not 100% is going to continue on to an afterlife why would I want to live such a short life in unhappiness yeah. 
Well, I was trying to I was trying to poke at your conscience, remember? Mm-hmm. Try to get there so that you go, you know, I I do know that I've been doing wrong. I do know that my life has been wrong. Mm-hmm. I've got a universe that tells me there's a God. My conscience tells me I've sinned against him. So you've got all kinds of intellectual and you've got all kinds of conscience issues going on inside of your brain, but you're suppressing that 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 obvious knowledge because you, Reese, basically want to be the God of your life. Yes. Fair enough. All right. I can't force you to do anything. I mean, it looks like you could take me anyway. All right. I can't force. And that's and that's not what Christianity is about. It's not a turn or burn. That's not the message of Christianity. The message is, yeah, if you don't turn, you will go to hell. But God's so kind. He died to save you. And we should want to repent and put our trust in him because, wow, who wouldn't want to believe and follow that God? As you go through life, whether it's today or in months or years to come, as you start to realize the vanity of what life is, when you have your next hangover or you wake up with your next heartbreak and you start to realize it's all very temporal and fleeting and your conscience troubles you, think about what I shared with you today because God's offer stands for you. If you'll repent and put your trust in Jesus, as wicked as you've been, whatever it is that you've done, he will completely forget it and forgive you because he's that good. That's all I can say to you. I will take that to heart. All right. Fair enough. You are a gentleman. Really, you are. And you're patient. Thanks for not thumping me. All right, man. All right. I hope you do great on your test. While I am most certainly grateful, he's going to take it to heart. What a heartbreaker. When he flatly states, I'd rather party than have Jesus. Oh, wow. But... Before we get all depressed about it, there's hope for Reese. There's hope for anyone who has heard the good news of the gospel. Don't be discouraged when somebody says, eh, not interested. You and I are simply called to be faithful. We are not called to convert. That is God's job on God's timetable. So just be faithful. Have the courage to just start a conversation. You never know when it might be set up on a T for you because it often is. Share the law. Share the gospel. Call them to repentance and faith. And even if they break your heart on the bench, there is still hope. This is Wretched Radio. It is now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks, and first up today, we head to the sunny beaches of California, where a lawsuit has been filed to challenge the state's assisted suicide law. That's good news. The lawsuit, that is. There are some people in this country that still care about that old-fashioned notion called the sanctity of life. Moving on to our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., the U.S. government has found yet another creative way to spend our tax dollars. This time, they're dishing out a whopping $1.5 million on an abortion hotline. I thought hotlines were supposed to help people, not, you know, the opposite. And speaking of the government, the leader of said government, President Biden, seems to have taken up a part-time job as a historian. Unfortunately, though, he missed a few history classes because according to our leader, Muslim culture has been woven throughout American culture from the very start. I think he's going to have to take that class again in the summer school. And in our latest edition of You Really Can't Make This Stuff Up, we have a woman claiming that discussing biology, DNA, and bone structure in relation to transgenderism is, are you ready, white supremacy. Now, I've been called a lot of things in my day and probably are going to get called a whole lot more before it's all said and done. But being a white supremacist for understanding basic human biology, yeah, that's a new one on me. 
And now on to the state of Oklahoma, who has recently banned trans procedures on kids, which makes them the 16th state to enact such protections. Ah, what a bunch of white supremacists. And in the state of Florida, Governor DeSantis making headlines again as he's taking a strong stand with new law and order bills, the biggest of which allows the death penalty for pedophiles. Now, whatever you think about Governor DeSantis is your call, but uh, he's not messing around when it comes to protecting children. And finally, we have a story about the president of Thomas Jefferson University, who recently liked a tweet that criticized gender mutilation, and he faced quite a bit of backlash. And of course, you know what he had to do after that backlash come roaring? Stand firm? <laughs> Not a chance. He apologized because, you know, we're in a world now where having an opinion is as welcome as having a porcupine at a balloon party. And that has been your latest Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 385 AD. In Milan, Bishop Ambrose defies the Empress. This event helped to establish the precedent of the church confronting the state when necessary to protect Christian teaching and oppose injustice and corruption in government. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Segways, we got you segways here. This is Wretched Radio. There are many times in a witness encounter, God will just set it up on a tee for you. You're chit-chatting about the weather, sports, whatever the subject du jour, which happens to be the subject of the day, whatever it is, it'll just present itself. And all you need to do is go for it and preach the law and the gospel. There are other times where you do have to work at it. You somehow have to figure out, how do I get into a witness conversation? How do I start this chat about Jesus Christ? Hey, can't think of a better way to get there than a national holiday. No, not Christmas and Thanksgiving, although those certainly work. They do, by the way. Just ask somebody at Thanksgiving time. What are you thankful for? Who, who do you thank? Where do those blessings come from? Christmas? Do you know the meaning of Christmas? Doesn't matter what time of year, you can use those holidays to get right to the gospel. I would suggest to you, no better national holiday to use than Easter. This is a demonstration of that with Tyler. This is Tyler. We are at Georgia State University, and Tyler is going to tell us the meaning of Easter. Go, Tyler. Easter is... I get used to, I don't really care for Easter much, but people like to do Easter egg rolls and go to church. <laughs> you don't care for Easter. Why not? I, it's all about bunnies and stuff. Oh, yeah. It doesn't really make sense. I don't understand bunnies don't produce eggs. So the Easter egg, the egg part associated with Easter and the bunny asked, I don't even know where it came from. <laughs> I don't either. But that's that's not what Easter is. Do you know what the meaning of Easter is? Uh, I think it has some sort of religious connotation. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Do you know what it is? It's not the birth of Jesus. That's Christmas. Um, I have no idea. Really? You've never heard what the meaning of Easter is? No. May I tell you? Sure. All right, so here's the, here's the setup, okay? Because that's kind of Easter's kind of the punchline, if you will. But here's the long setup: God made the universe. His nature is perfect, holy, righteous, good, just. We people 
aren't. We break his laws, his commandments. We do things we're not supposed to do. And our conscience reminds us what we're doing is wrong. So when we lie or steal or cheat or do things that we'd rather not have our parents know about, God does. And because of his nature, because he's holy, he's going to make sure that everybody who's broken the laws is going to receive their due reward, which is to be punished for their law breaking. Just like a criminal who breaks an earthly law, they get punished by going to jail. God, the just judge of the world, punishes lawbreakers and he sends them to an eternal jail called hell. Exactly. All right. But now God is also good and he's rich in mercy and he doesn't want people like you to go to hell. But here's the tension. See if you can feel this with me. God is just. He's got to punish lawbreakers, but he's good and he likes to to save and forgive sinners. But if he just forgives people, then he's not just. It would be like a judge saying, I know you've broken the laws, criminal, but I'm a nice guy. I'll let you go. He would go, wait a second. That's not just. So God, in order to be just and good, had a plan before he created the universe to send his son who is? Jesus. Exactly. Who is God in the flesh. He was born on Christmas, lived a perfect life. You and I can't. You and I, if we're being honest, we lie. I think I would dispute that he was born on Christmas. Yeah, I wouldn't argue with you on that because we don't know the date. But good on you. You caught me. You're right. We don't know the exact date. But we'll just say the day he was born, he lived the perfect life that you and I can't. He amassed all kinds of righteousness that we don't possess. And then Easter week, it was actually the Passion Week or Passover week, he was punished by men. They stripped him, beat him, scourged him, put a crown of thorns on his head, spat on him, and then hung him on a cross. Here's what was happening. That's Good Friday. That's three days before Easter. God was pouring out his wrath on Jesus Christ on behalf of sinners who will repent and put their trust in him. So when he died, he said, it is finished because his task was to live the perfect life we couldn't, to take the punishment that we deserve so that God can forgive us so he can be just and he can be forgiving at the exact same time. Third day, he rose from the dead. That's the punchline. That's Easter. That's the definitive stamp that says what Jesus did on behalf of sinners was an acceptable sacrifice from God who raised him from the dead. That's what Easter is. That's that's why does it then I think Easter Easter instead of it being celebrated with bunnies and I dude fake grass, it shouldn't it be celebrated with blood? Well that you know what? That's a <laughs> What are you studying? You're kind of smart, and it's kind of annoying me right now. Political science. Okay. No, I agree with the bunny thing makes no sense to me. Some people would say that's kind of like a pagan thing or fertility thing. I have no idea what it has to do with what I just told you. But I think that if you celebrate the gruesomeness of the, of his murder, of his killing, like with, then the correct way of doing it, or the most accurate way to depict it, would be to have crosses around with red stains and blood. But I think that that would... And that would turn a lot of people off. The story that I just told you, and you were very patient to listen to, uh-huh. render a verdict. Is it true or false? Is it true? Specific, specifically, specifically, what are you referring to? Is it true or false? The entire narrative? 
Uh, I think aspects of it are are questionable. Which ones? Specifically, first, well, I think your your the question is it true? Like, I also study philosophy a little. I mean, uh oh. I mean, there's a lot to say something is true. I mean, from a philosophical standpoint, no, I don't think that your uh, your premises necessarily form a, a obvious conclusion. So I don't think that it's, I wouldn't say it's true or valid. So I, I, it's, I guess it depends on your perspective. I'll bet you'd say it's true for me, though, wouldn't you? That, yes. May I suggest to you, it doesn't matter what I think about it. It either is or it is not true. Render a verdict, true or not true. Because to me, I can I can believe that the Easter Bunny is God, and if I just bounce around with a basket full of chocolate eggs, I'm going to go spend eternity in a fertility field with a bunch of bunnies. But I can believe that, and I can think it's true. But we, I think we realize that's just false. So I'm asking you this story that I just shared with you about Jesus Christ dying, rising from the dead. True or false? <laughs> It depends how you, it's, you can't say that it, it's true. Um, okay, let me try this. George Washington was the first president of the United States, true or false? Come on, Tyler. <laughs> say it. George Washington, that's in dispute as well. That is not in empirical. <laughs> it is not in dispute. It's, George Washington. I can't remember what his name. There is John F. Kennedy was assassinated right, in 1963. That is empirical fact. Why? Uh, because he was he was killed. He was undisputably the president of the United States. And how do you know? Uh, because he was elected. But did you witness any of this? Did I witness him? Were you an eyewitness to his presidency and assassination? No, but going through. Uh, primary accounts, then yes. Right, so primary accounts would satisfy your standard for whether or not something is true or false. That, and a, along with other things, yes. So let, let me just try to tackle that one for you. There were 500 eyewitnesses to his resurrection. Specifically, he had 12 disciples. One of them is the one who betrayed him, whose name was... Don't Judas Iscariot. Okay. Nobody, nobody calls their kids Judas anymore. Okay. So Judas Iscariot betrayed him, but the other 11, they witnessed his resurrection. They saw him being beaten, hung on a cross. They knew for a fact he was dead. Three days later, came to life. All 11 of them willing to die. 10 of them were put to the stake. They were set on fire. They were hung up upside down and they refused to recant. And this is really important, Tyler, because you actually set the standard yourself. They were eyewitnesses. They didn't just believe a guy like me or a street evangelist. They saw it. And that's why they were willing to die for it. You they have saw, eyewitnesses. They saw him. They saw him being resurrected. They saw him raised from the dead. Third day came out of the tomb. They physically saw him. Yeah. They physically saw. I thought they. I thought it, something has to do with his the his spirit. Something spiritual relating to that. No, his physical body came back from the grave, and they saw him. Five hundred eyewitnesses. 
who are all willing to die. And we've got accounts of it called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's some extra biblical sources, but they're, they're, they're the most reliable, the people who are willing to die for it. Got to pause right there, fully recognizing a lesser man would use that opportunity to plug the man who split time, 22 proofs Jesus is God, eyewitness accounts demonstrating they were willing to die for what they saw, the resurrection. It's the linchpin miracle that demonstrates Jesus is God. That booklet is available at wretched.org slash time, but I'm not a lesser host. We'll continue our conversation with Tyler next on Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe. But now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. You know, what used to be a movie is now our sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault, but we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz, and they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2, tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. 
Athenagoras was a Christian philosopher in Athens who used his training to defend the Christian faith against Roman persecution. He wrote on the resurrection of the dead, arguing that the nature of God, the nature of humanity, and the concept of justice only makes sense if there is a physical resurrection. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Actually, I I think I'm going to change my name to Costello because... I'm talking to a guy named Yeah, but this is Wretched Radio, a witness encounter with Tyler, political science, philosophy major. No matter what I tossed at him, yeah, but this is Tyler. Things get lost in translation. Things like when you tell one person a story, then that other person says the story, and then someone else changes the story. Like something gets lost in that. So I, I don't think that it is, it's as verifiable and definitive as the JFK thing. I mean, I can pull up a video and, sh- and, and see JFK's head getting taken off. I can see him being sworn in as president of the United States. I can look at um, FEC records showing that he that – he, was elected as president of the United States. But nobody had to defend what they eyewitnessed with JFK with their life. But Jesus had people who were willing to die. The level of commitment does not make it make me believe that it's true. Oh, but if it does, if the person was an eyewitness. See, if I just believed a tale, like my parents told me to believe in the Easter Bunny, and I did. You put a gun to my head and say, you're going to vouch for the Easter Bunny? Out of 500 people, one of them would go, okay, I'm making it up. Nobody did. Everybody was willing to die. But you could say that same thing about a lot of people. You could say the same same thing about terrorists. They believe in their cause so much that they're willing to die. That doesn't mean that it's true or not. No, that's a very, very fair. But that's not what exactly what this is. No, I, I would, but I think that you're offering that as you're offering that as evidence as just because their level of commitment, their level, their level of, of commitment makes and that they really believed it means that it's true. No, it doesn't show that it's true. It just means that it just shows that they are very committed into what they believe. But again, the key here is not just somebody who believed it. For instance, people who are willing today, a terrorist today, they maybe believe their holy book, but they didn't see their prophet. They didn't see somebody rise from the dead. These were the eyewitnesses, and none of them recanted. That's the key, eyewitnesses. And you yourself said that's the standard. Jesus' story meets your criteria. That was a standard along with other... All right, let 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 me share something with you. I think you might find this somewhat compelling. All right. You've mentioned the Bible, like telephone translation sort of game. Okay. All of the manuscripts, the Bible, everything that we have in the Bible was written in the first century. The New Testament was written in the first century, not hundreds of years. There's a field of study called textual criticism. This is when we study books in antiquity, the Bible compared to, say, Julius Caesar's Gallic Wars, Homer, Virgil, any of them is the number one most authenticated text bar none. Now hang in there with me because I can see the skeptical look. You can know for a fact that the New Testament that we have is exactly what was written down 2,000 years ago. It's, it's, it's undisputable. That doesn't mean it's true though. It just means it's accurate. So all I did for you is just kind of knock down the domino of the telephone game these are the these are accurate translations of the original manuscripts but that doesn't prove they're true they are accurate but the question is are they true when you ask if something is true or not it's um and then the the primary the primary 
rationale as why it's true is other people's account is a little is flimsy. But that's all of history, though, right? You believe Napoleon Bonaparte, he waged some wars. You believe in the French Revolution. All of that comes from manuscripts, and you believe those. You probably believe Julius Caesar was assassinated on the steps by his buddy Brutus, right? Yeah. Those translations, just so you know, the ones that we have from Caesar's Gallic Wars, the earliest manuscript is 900 years away from the actual events. We've got five manuscripts, the Bible. We have manuscripts within a couple of centuries, 5,800 of them. See the difference? You believe Julius Caesar, he passes your standard, but you're not letting the Bible pass the same standard, which sprints past the authenticity of Caesar's Gallic Wars. How come? It's the best history book, most accurate book from antiquity. Why wouldn't you accept that and believe that? Why wouldn't I? Well, I don't think any... It's not consistent. I guess because I don't... I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not really... I'm not a, I'm not a, a biblical scholar. It's just that it doesn't... It, it, when you go to... When you start talking about religious text, it always comes down to there is a way that in your mind that you can do gymnastics to make yourself believe whatever you want. I wouldn't argue with that. And so, like, I hear it from you, from, and then I could, from that perspective, I could go to a Muslim and hear their 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 side of the Quran, and they could say merely the same things. Like, these are people who've seen this, who've seen that, who've seen that. It's like, it just comes down to... Everyone says they're right, and no one can really say definitively if they're right or not. Like, I don't think that there is really anybody disputing the facts relating to Caesar, as you said. I mean, religious texts and religious interpretations and, and the things that, that are contained in it is, are, always up for, are always up for dispute, and, many, and people dispute them all the time. Right. But at the same time, that does not mean that one of them isn't true. You can't just because there's a debate doesn't mean that somebody isn't right. Correct. Yeah, that's true. Furthermore, I would suggest you, let's say I had you pick a card and you pick the seven of spades. We bury it into a deck of cards and we start flipping them over. Once we find your card, the seven of spades, I don't need to look at the rest of the cards. I found the one I'm looking for. I found the the one that you picked. Same thing is true with truth. Once I found the truth, I don't need to examine every single religion. I'm done with my search because this is actually true. How many lies have you told in your life? Countless. If you knew I told countless lies, what name, what would you call me? Uh, a human. Rhymes with pants on fire. You would say a liar. So would you agree that you too are a liar? I would say that everyone lies. Uh, no argument. All right. Let's talk about stealing. Have you ever stolen anything? Wait, I think there's a category. I think there's a distinction between saying that you've lied in the past and giving a person the general categorization as you are a liar. I think you are a liar gives off a connotation as you are a habitual liar. So I only need to tell one lie to be called a liar. I only need to murder one time and I'm a murderer. Okay. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair. All right. How many things have you stolen in your life? I have no idea. But you have? Yes. So what name would you call me if you knew I stole stuff? You would, it would be labeled as a thief. Fair enough. So you and I are liars and thieves, right? Lust. Jesus said, you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Innocent or guilty on that charge? Oh, I plead guilty on that. 
So you are a lying, thieving adulterer. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Oh, I'm sure I have. So God made you, has given you life, your backpack, your gum, your education, every good thing that you've enjoyed. And instead of praising his name, you dragged it through the mud like a four-letter filth word. Fair enough? I know you don't believe in him. Say that again. I, I zoned out when you were partially with. Wow, it wasn't that long of a sentence. I was thinking about something else. You were thinking about somebody who just walked by. I got that. Okay. Instead of using his name to say, thanks for everything, creator, you OMG like you're saying a filthy word and dragging his name through the mud. It's, it's called blasphemy in the Bible. Well, and, and you've really done that. The premise that he, of the creator aspect. I, un, I understand that. But if he exists, so you've used his name in a lowly way. If, yes, if I accept all your premises, which I don't, but if I did, then yes. So, Tyler, here's the deal. Someday, let's hope it's not today, but it could be, God calls your number. You're done. He's not going to sustain your life anymore. He's had enough of you. Okay. And he drags you into his courtroom, and he's the just judge on the bench, and you're in the docket, uh -huh. and the books are open, and he not only knows what you've seen done, but what you've thought. Everything is exposed mm -hmm. and brought into the light. Would God render an innocent or guilty verdict on Tyler? Um, guilt, innocent on what? Breaking his laws. Breaking his laws? Oh, yeah, I think, you, yeah, guilty. You're dead. God renders a verdict, guilty, sends you to hell, weeping, gnashing of teeth, lake of fire. It is no fun, nothing to look forward to, no parole date, forever and ever and ever. A vindictive man. Or that would be one guilty criminal. I guess it depends on your perspective. It also depends on who the judge is and against whom we've committed the crime. You see, our crimes, Tyler, aren't just committed against one another. They're committed against your sovereign. It's, it's rebellion against the king. And that is why it demands an eternal punishment because our crimes, we don't see them that bad, but he does. Thanks so much. All right, see ya. Goodbye. If you run into your own... Yeah, but, and there are many of them, you might want to get out of the realm of the intellect to the land of the conscience because you might spend your entire time just, yeah, but this, well, what about that? Yeah, but then, and they're never really hearing because they simply turn it into an intellectual argument, which tends to be, not always, but tends to be rather fruitless. Use the law. Convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Work with the Holy Spirit using the word as much as you can. Use your apologetics as much as is needed in order to be polite. But please note, apologetics never caused anybody to drop to their knees. It is the gospel that will do that work alone. Law, gospel, repentance, faith, and then pray like nobody's business that God will save them. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.